listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. In last week's episode, we welcomed Gardner analyst Dan Gottlieb to explore the mayhem surrounding sales tech. In this week's episode, we conclude that conversation and find out if sales tech really is the new MarTech. What you just described there is brilliant. I love it. It, it just... I think you articulated the problem and the possibility brilliantly. What is it going to take for an organization who has been so focused on the back end of serving the enterprise instead of serving the seller and, and the customer? Where do they get started and how do they go about doing it? Because these are muscles that are atrophied or even maybe not even existent, but definitely small. Definitely small if they're there. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really good question. And I think that the best place to start is to look at your existing sales stages, high, existing buying tasks that you are solving for through your sales process and look at those high impact situations and just ask yourself, you know, for each of those key five interaction points across a, a sales process, for example. Just just start there and say, is there anything I can do here to improve the way we engage live and asynchronous? What are the key workflows for preparing for these meetings and for post-meetings workflow that we might be able to simplify? And what are some of the ways that we should be thinking about using data to adapt our tactics here? And I think that if you look across, like if you really simplify and look at those key meetings, right? Maybe it's the initial way you have a meeting chat or qualification call, the first sort of set of one or two early stage discovery style conversations, the way you run a proof of concept, maybe it's the way you run a proposal meeting. You know, you, if you sort of look at those really absolute fundamentals and apply the virtual selling framework that I just mentioned on top of that, there's your first, that's where you start. You know, don't boil the ocean. And I think what you'll find, anyone that's listening, is that there's so much opportunity just in uncovering those fundamentals. You know, there's so many things about the way you've run your company right now that create friction that we've just made that call like five years ago. That's why we have that process that way. And that's therefore why we don't even think about that being a way of making it virtual selling more effective. And I'll give you an example. In complex enterprise sales scenarios, The seller is so often spending time navigating internal resources, preparing people, putting together a deal team, collaborating with the deal team, especially on the sort of front end of the sales process. They're advocating for time. They're advocating for resources. They're prepping people. They're playing telephone. And that's an example of a workflow that many have just sort of overlooked. That's not a workflow that we need to solve. Why would we spend money solving that problem? And you know what we what we have found is that if you improve the quality of the communication, you know this is an example of where tech like conversation intelligence can allow us to you know not only adapt our tactics based on what happened in the call, but then accelerate how we prepare other people for the next call. Right? Hey, sales engineer, go listen to these fifteen minutes of this call. That's the most important fifteen minutes you need to listen to. That's just like one example, right? So that's how I would recommend you start. What I, lo- what I like about what you said about where to start is it's pretty straightforward and simple, right? Stop and think about the journey that the client goes through to make a purchase and think about the journey the seller goes through to enable them to make that yeah. purchase. <laughs> and then look at, the, look at the interaction points and then look at the three capabilities. So it's like as complicated as this all sounds and can be, it doesn't, you know, 
your advice is very straightforward. It's just go right to where these interactions are occurring and look at how you can improve virtual engagement. I want to make a quick shout out about your data literacy because that was really interesting. When you laid out data literacy, initially I thought, you know, well, okay, so we have to we have to skill people up. And I love that you just went the totally opposite direction. You're like, no, 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 that, that's not what it's about. It's not about like making them more data literate necessarily. It's about enabling them to actually do something with the data, make the data actionable, make it useful, make it not just a, you know, oh, by the way, Jason, you know, searched for flights to Kansas City. Let's go see if he can sell him a flight to Kansas City, which is what Southwest does every day. And he's like, <laughs> Jesus, it's, you know, it's the uh, ruining my inbox as we talked at the opening, right? So before we lose you, I, I do want to hear your background because you actually studied UX design. I did. Just tell us a little bit about kind of like how you got to where you are and how it's influenced the way you look at the world and, and the research that you drive and that kind of stuff. I really appreciate this question. So I think I've had a very unconventional path to becoming a Gartner analyst, very unconventional path. So I started out uh, individual contributor. You know, I started out selling advertising. I got into a startup. I mean, I bartended and worked in service for many years. And, you know, working in service throughout my 20s, paying for college right after college. I actually met my wife. I was a bartender and she was a patron. And so that's a very high ROI endeavor. And <laughs> but those, those experiences very much so, you know, just taught me the importance of listening, understanding customers and knowing the balance between when to listen, you know, when to stand your ground, when to not. And just those, those are, you know, invaluable when you get into selling and, and mm-hmm. internal communication and conflict management, right? Then I eventually kind of built my career up as a, I learned the ropes, I suppose, in five years at an ed tech company, being an enterprise sales leader there, which is really where, you know, I discovered account-based and I discovered my affinity for partnering with marketing and sales development teams to generate pipeline to win deals. We sort of had a model where it was very franchise-driven. That was sort of how we treated each territory because it was a per-student business model in the Northeast, which is the territory I covered. I think it's safe to call it much more of a mid-market style, high volume of lower seat deals, whereas my peers in the South, you know, they had two deals and they hit their quota of the year. So we had to be sort of run a much more <laughs> a little efficient franchise just because that's how school systems in the Northeast do business. And that was when I discovered my interest in MarTech, the integration between MarTech and, and sales in general. And that took me to a market tech company where I did sales there as well. I discovered my sort of interest in more enablement operations, leadership type of uh, engagements. And I was really having a good time there. And I just thought, you know, I kind of want to go on my own and see what life would be like trying to get some some clients to do some consulting projects. And so I went on my own for about a year and change. And uh, learned a lot in that process. And then I got scooped up by a firm called Topo. Topo is a research and advisory firm based in the Bay Area that hyper-specialized in B2B sales and marketing, high growth research and consulting. And so I did a lot of sales development, account-based and tech stack style consulting projects there for super, super specific for series B, series C size companies. You know, we just raised money. We're growing like crazy. We want to measure twice, cut once. And, you know, we did that for several years. And that was really where when I go into that work right around then is when I was in the year I was doing my own thing. Right. I took a few different classes of different kinds. I did some stand up comedy school. 
because I have, I'm really like, I have to tell the worst jokes and I couldn't figure out, you know, what I realized why I was funny was because I tell bad jokes and then people laugh at me being uncomfortable at the bad jokes. And that's the, it's funny. And so, <laughs> that's <not> the joke. <laughs> you know, like, so, so to learn that through standup uh, was quite an endeavor in self-awareness. But then I also did a user experience design. I just, what I found was that user experience design is is very much so just a exercise in extreme listening and then allowing what you find from listening to guide what you go try to create. And, you know, that's a very sort of simple way of looking at a very complex world. But that was what I took away with me into consulting was, okay, someone wants to solve a, let me put it this way. Anytime anyone wants to see pipeline conversion benchmarks and marketing and sales are in the room, you know, it's not because they actually want to look at marketing and sales conversion benchmark. It's because you got a lot of hair in here and they're miscommunicating and they think benchmarks are going to help each of them prove their point, right? So like going in and listen, learning, using those skills to listen is really as a consultant at Topo where I, I learned I, everything I know, you know, I learned the good, the bad, how teams work, you know, automation is really just this incredible reflection of alignment when it works really well. You know, there, there's so much to unpack there. And then Gartner scooped up Topo. And I don't think I would have made it past a recruiter to get into Gartner, but I very much so bring empathy for the front line because I'm not that far away from it, you know, career wise. Yeah. And so I bring that into the work, but I, I tr really try to listen and let like the listening help guide what we should be talking about. So, so yeah, I am definitely biased towards UX design, but I'm just very thankful that there's right now, like this is the moment when it's needed in, in the market that I'm covering. So I find that just a fortunate coincidence. Well, you know, the empire comes in and scoops it up, right? Okay, so <laughs> I'll tell you what though. I gotta say this. Gardner's been a cool place to work. The the talent there is like unbelievable. It's a forty year old services company, right? But I mean it's it's doing the best it's ever done. Go look at the stock price, go look at listen to the that's not official investing advice. Go listen to the stock price, <laughs> go look at the the you know, ten K and the quarterly earnings calls. Like it's it's a company that's it's really I'm just I'm learning a lot from being here. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal. Divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. Well, the quality of, of research, which you drive, and the quality of thinking that uh, is coming out of, of Gartner, and of course, Gartner for sales leaders in general, is is phenomenal. So, Thank you. Okay. So, Jeff, I want to take us to wrap, and I want to kind of come full circle to wrap this up. So, you know, sales tech is the new MarTech, right? So, sales tech is mayhemic. Yeah. <laughs> Take us through that to get to finish this thing out. Yeah. Tell, tell us what's going on because it's exploding like crazy talent. So let's, let's talk about that. Well, oh gosh, where to begin? I think that the first place to start is that there has been a, the demand for sales tech has just been through the roof. I don't need to remind you all what happened in the past few years and why that's the case, right? Everyone became a virtual seller for the last two years, depending on where you live in the country. Yeah. And the next 
use case, right? To the next sort of sales budgets to meet that demand, right? Has has been going up, and not just in the B two B tech bubble, but really the you know enterprise sales organizations across many different industries are, are come online, and the word digital transformation has made its way to sales. So I think that is definitely sort of two key market drivers. The next market driver here, right, is that the venture capital environment has just been pumping cash into both Series A's. I mean, we're seeing $50 million, $25 million Series A's and huge Series D, Series E fundraises and, and rounds for existing vendors. So the pressure for those companies to grow is forcing them to look at what are all the ways we can grow now. And so that leads me to why is it becoming mayhemic? Because what we are seeing right now is that instead of many of these organizations built their TAMs and their you know valuations based on selling to the same market, right? The quota carrying sellers, the account management sellers worldwide, you know, the non-retail sales reps, and even in some cases retail, right? So what we're seeing is that there's a core set of use cases that are being invested in by those teams. And rather than winning in their category, vendors are instead of acquiring their way into being the leader in the category that they play in, they're acquiring through M&A their way into the adjacent categories that they can do business in. And that is happening if you look at all the vendors that have, you know, raised just to draw a line in the sand, we'll say all the vendors that have been, you know, deemed unicorn status. I think there's like, you know, if you include the MarTech vendors as a 0.5, the MarTech vendors are selling to sales, like the account-based platforms, for example. I think we're talking about like 10 different companies, plus some of the publicly traded companies like ZoomInfo. What that brings, DNB on Bradstreet, right? LinkedIn, you know, that puts you at like 13 kind of companies that are all yeah. investing horizontally in their use cases. So you have companies that did conversation intelligence that are now offering what we would call revenue intelligence. You have companies in sales engagement that are now offering conversation intelligence. You have companies in sales enablement that are offering conversation intelligence. So for buyers, it's mayhemic because they're looking across portfolios and many of the vendors look and sound the same. How do I know what the differences are? How do I know what to invest in? And the fury of M&A activity to become the ultimate alpha platform, right? The company that is can rule them all. I have a portfolio of technologies that you can invest in. Grow with me as your partner is really where many sales tech companies are going right now. One tech to rule them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we've hit multiple sci-fis in one in one call here so okay well i could probably talk to you all day but i I probably shouldn't so thank you for all the insight you've shared on revenue tech stacks on virtual selling on the the roll-up and the chaos inside of the of the sales technology landscape and what it means to anyone who's responsible for leading growth leading revenue growth in in a b2b environment so Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This is, y'all are great to talk to and hang out with. And I kind of wish that, you know, this was ending and we were stepping out of our studios and we were going to a happy hour together, but that'll have to happen (laughs) some point in the future when, when we can. I really appreciate it. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll check all the data underlying it and we'll have a virtual happy hour. How's that? I'm into it. I'm into it. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. 
Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.